Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join in the conversation. It is area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. You can also join us in the show chat room at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And you can, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. either on the show thread at liberaldan.com uh, facebook.com slash liberal dan or at liberal dan radio on twitter and we'll get to all of the issues that we'll be talking about today but first this week's headlines john bolton is out as national security advisor the only question is now who will trump find that's possibly worse than him would you call that setting the bar high or low more on national security later north carolina had special elections yesterday Fox News described the Republican victories as sweeping up. According to 538, the North Carolina 9th Congressional District was won by Republican Dan Bishop with 51 to 49 percent vote. This is a district Trump won by 12 percent and is a special election that is known to have lower turnout, which typically tends to favor Republicans. So I don't know if it's sweeping. That would be the optimal word there. Seems like they're barely treading water. Catherine Zellner, attorney for Stephen Avery of Netflix's Making a Murderer, has announced a $100,000 reward for anyone who can turn in the real killer of Teresa Halbach. I'll just say this. I can't say for certain that he's innocent, but the behavior of the Manitowoc Police Department should have absolutely caused him to be found not guilty. In New Orleans news, WWL Radio, the largest AM station in the area, tweeted out a homophobic slur about one of its own employees, and then quickly deleted it. They have said that they are investigating the issue. I'll be following along with that in in the week to come to see if they actually find out who did it and make sure there's hell to pay. In sports news, Antonio Brown left the Steelers for the Raiders, caused drama and got fired, and then was hired by the Patriots and now is accused of multiple counts of sexual battery and rape. If guilty... Let's hope his week gets even worse. And that's this week's headlines. Now, before I go into the topics of the show, etc., it is the anniversary of 9-11. And obviously, you know, I don't know how many people have 9-11 fatigue, but I do think it's very important to reflect on what happened that day, the mistakes that were made that caused it to happen, Uh, the people who did cause it to happen, and what we need to do to make sure that we don't repeat the mistakes that we did afterwards as well. Now, I was on Twitter, and, you know, Twitter is known as a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And we, um, somebody who seemed otherwise quite progressive was just like, I wish we could ban Islam in the United States of America because of how she felt about 9-11 and who caused it. Now, let's be clear. 9-11 was a terrorist attack 
It was caused by people who call themselves Muslims, who don't follow their actual religion. Oh, I'm sorry, I said actual. I'm, I'm trying to get off of that. To, to say that the entirety of Islam, or even the majority of Islam, is to blame for the attacks that happened in this country 18 years ago today, is just absurd. I don't blame all of Catholicism for their wrongdoings. Sure, I, I blame the hierarchy for the cover-up of the molestation scandal. Um, I blame people who are you know, higher-ups in other religious organizations when those religions cover up crimes or support crimes or support hate. But you can't blame every Muslim for the activities of 20 or 19 because one of them didn't make it onto the plane. So that day I was heading, heading to school. I was, I was in college university. I was at university of New Orleans and I was a graduate assistant. I had a lab to teach that day. I had, and I, I was on my way. I, I, I was doing something. And I was listening to, I believe I was listening to the show Walton Johnson. And back then, Walton Johnson were really not political, at least not that I can recall. Most of their show was just funny, goofy, shock jock stuff and nothing serious until that day. And then by the time I'd made it to the person who I was seeing at the time's work, I dropped something off for her at work. Uh, one of the plans had already hit the building. And I was just like, this is crazy. How, how do you hit a building? How does, how does an airplane flying so high in the air hit a building? And then the second one hits. And by the time I got to school, Classes pretty much were canceled as, as it stood. We were just all sitting in the office watching the goings-on, watching what was happening, probably watching NBC News. And just just the, the terror of what happened was just ah. Still to this day, you know, you look at shows, you know, I'm, I'm – one of my favorite shows is Friends. And a lot of times they'll show the New York skyline in the middle of Friends, and you'll see the World Trade Center. You'll see the Twin Towers. And just, it just, it still sends shivers down my spine to think of what happened that day, to think of the people who were heroic, who, who saved lives, the people, to think of the people who lost their lives while being heroes. Just to think about, you know, I would not want to repeat 9-11. And a lot of people say, well, 9-12. 9-12, we were united, more united as a country as we've been in a very long time. Well, it's a damn shame that we need something that big and that horrible to all come together and realize what's important. It's a shame. We shouldn't need that. Unfortunately, I don't even know if that ever happened again. I frankly don't know if we would come together. There would probably be too much time. It would depend. Whoever was the president, I think we would be more likely to come together with a Republican president. Not because the Republicans are more unifying. In fact, the opposite. I think the Democrats would be more than likely to to stop petty fighting and just say, okay, we're going to get together for the country and for the good of the country. I don't think for a second, if we had a, we would have had president, I don't, I don't know if, if back then, if Al Gore would have rightly won the election. I can't say for certain that the Republicans would have stood up and Actually, there it is again. Uh, if the Republicans would have done the right thing, I'd like to hope that they would have back then. 
I have no faith that they would now. And I'll get to some of that later as to why the Republican Party has turned into absolute garbage. But again, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about 9 11, you know, how it affected us as a country, and, you know, all, all the people who. This and one thing I said, it came up in my Facebook memories last year, was that I will not allow for anybody, I see, if I, especially on this day, I, I, I take a firm stand against bigotry, but I will not allow for anybody to turn this into, let's hate the Muslims day, because many Muslims came together in peace and stood with us while we were in mourning. There are a few idiots. There are a few there are a few people who, who did cheer for what happened to us. And they can all kiss my ass for all I care. But there are plenty more that knew what was happening was wrong. And no religion, no real religion would allow for that to happen. No true caring religion that's worthy of following would allow for that. Anyway. So let's go ahead. I mean, I probably should take a commercial break right now, but um, let's go ahead and take the commercial break, reset, come back. I'll do the two bits that I normally do um, and take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. It's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. To join in on the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. Now, um, yesterday, or Monday, I guess, now, uh, the New Orleans Saints moved to 1-0 in their division, and the only one to do so, and is now, now in first place. Of course, New Orleans is uh, led by Drew Brees, uh, quarterback who I discussed last week's show, and well, there's more to be said, so here we go. This week's hypocrites of the week are the conservatives defending Drew Brees, saying that he never mentioned homosexuality and that it was only for Bring Your Bible to School Day. They know full well that had Drew Brees done an ad encouraging women to get mammograms every year that was paid for by Planned Parenthood, they absolutely would have cried foul because they could never separate the other services that Planned Parenthood does from the abortions. Who next week's hypocrite of the week will be? Tune into Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Block Talk Radio. Now, since the last week, last week's news broke about Drew Brees and his connection to Focus on the Family, uh, he did come out and address the media. He addressed his Instagram post, and he didn't apologize. Uh, he did say that 
the type of Christianity that was described is not his type of Christianity, and his type of Christianity is about love. But the, you know, they say actions speak louder than words, and he continues to stand by the bring your Bible to school day. He has not denounced focus on the family. And I think focus on the family even came to the game on Monday to help promote this bring your Bible to school day. And of course there are conservatives like, Oh, their, their problem is, is just about bring your Bible to school day, blah, blah, blah. Look, I don't necessarily think that you should be bringing any religious, religious texts to schools. I don't think we need to have kids be little evangelicals in public school, especially uh, if you want your kids to learn about religion, send them to private or parochial school, a school that will teach that, teach what you want them to teach, but or, or learn. I'm sorry. Or if they want, if you want them to teach too, if you want them to learn how to be little uh, Christian soldiers and or Muslim soldiers or Jewish soldiers, go right ahead. Send them to those schools to help them promote their religious faith. You know, Breeze says his favorite favorite Bible verse is five Corinthians five seven, which states, "For we live by faith, not by sight." But, you know, if you if you have kids in schools that are going to be bringing their own Bibles, maybe you should bring your own Bible verses to school at least and discuss these as your favorite verses. Um, Psalms 137-9. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's a good godly message. Uh, what about... And Hazael said, why does my Lord weep? He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You will set on fire their fortresses and you will kill their young men with sword and dash in pieces their little ones and rip open their pregnant women. All the believers are 100. Oh, wait, this is Acts 4. That's the one about socialism. Basically says, for any, from, from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought money for themselves and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anybody who had need. And then, of course, in the next verse, it goes on the person who lied about the money that was obtained from a sale. Uh, they just dropped dead when they were caught. So uh, you have Numbers 5, 19 to 24, which basically says the woman has, is, is suspected of having an affair, that that woman should be given, quote, bitter water, quote, and that bitter water would if she's pregnant, will cause her to abort the pregnancy. So the way to check, in the, in the Bible, the way to see if you your woman has been, it has not been, has not had, held fidelity, has failed, whatever. If she cheated on you, give her bitter water, and if she loses the pregnancy, then she's a cheating harlot. And so I guess uh, the unborn really didn't matter if the woman cheats. Is that what I'm supposed to think, Bible? So, yeah, I don't know why we should be putting that book in schools. If you want to learn any private time, more power to you. You know, I have no problem with people of faith as long as you don't try and shove your faith on me and force my kids to listen to you. So there's that. Um, and, of course, let's see, before we get to the bottom half of the hour, and, of course, there's the, what happened when I mentioned about WWL Radio, one of the people – who I have a letter on liberaldan.com. I have a letter to Drew Brees that I've penned in response to his coming out and, and making his announcement or uh, addressing of the media. Um, someone else also did that. They wrote a letter that that person is a gay employee for WWL radio. And that's what caused, and he wrote it, he penned a letter and said, look, this is how it is. I'm a gay man. This is how I am. This is, this is how you, your actions have affected me. That's what he said. And then one of his coworkers decided to be a piece of crap and went ahead and wrote that homosexual slur, homophobic slur, I should say, on their Twitter account. It was quickly deleted, but not fast enough because people saw it and took plenty of screenshots. They have the receipts. So, Words of Redneck Wisdom. Let's hit that first because at the bottom half of the aisle again, we are going to get to Isaiah James, uh, candidate for Congress in New York's 9th Congressional District. But let's hit two, uh, two of these with one stone.
And now, this week's words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. In the Bible, we read of Israel's King Josiah, who reigned when the principles that once made Israel great were neglected and forgotten. Even King Josiah was in the dark until Israel's founding documents were rediscovered. When the king realized how deceived he'd been and how the people and government had strayed, he literally ripped his clothes off of his body. Friends, this September, go to MakeDixieGreatAgain.com to learn about and celebrate the godly principles on which our United States and Confederate constitutions were built. You have just heard more words of redneck wisdom brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, the godly principles that formed the Confederacy. The Confederacy. Now, you can have, I mean, there's plenty of problems with the founding fathers of the United States of America. Uh, You know, the three-fifths compromise being, you know, oh, we're just going to, we're going to, it's going to be an argument as to whether or not we should consider black people to be whole people and not give them any voting power. Or if we're going to allow black people to be considered three-fifths of a person, still not give them voting power, but give the southern states more voting power because they wanted the bodies to count for representational purposes, but they didn't want the bodies to count for anything else other than their own greed and labor. And of course, there was the, I guess what they would, I'm sure, I, I haven't found this yet from the folks that make Dixie great again, but I don't know, they might have, they might refer to this, the Civil War as, as the Nor- War of Northern Aggression. Uh, they might have actually in one of the previous audio clips that I played. Well, I reckon that they are insane to think that the creation of the Confederate States of America was in any way godly is just absurd. I mean, they have used the Bible to justify slavery, but this is not – the Confederate States of America was not a godly institution. It was both treasonous and sinful. They took up arms against their fellow man against their fellow countrymen and all because they wanted to own slaves. And of course they will say, well, it wasn't about owning slaves. It was about states' rights. Yeah, it's about state, the state right of a state. States don't have rights. States have powers. People have rights. But it was about the ability of states to legal, make, keep legal slavery so that individuals could own other individuals. That's why the war was fought. Period. End of story. So again, this website will be a treasure trove that keeps on giving, and we will continue to use it until it dries up and then we can find another source of redneckery to deal with. So, Trump Bolton. Trump, Bolton, of course, Bolton says he offered to resign. Trump said he fired him. Trump would never admit that somebody offered to resign. Trump would say that I asked for the resignation first. Why? Because Trump doesn't want to cede power to anybody except for maybe Putin. But, you know, it it does, I mean, we're on 9-11. We don't have a national security advisor. Not that Bolton was any good or somebody that we would want better nothing than that perhaps i mean we have a temporary one obviously but all this happens supposedly bolton resigned over the fact that he disagreed with the idea of bringing the taliban here now here's where the timelines get skewed I don't know exactly what order this happened in or if we should believe the order that we're told it would be happening in or it did happen in. Because supposedly Bolton had a problem with the Taliban coming here, which, duh, stop clocks are right twice a day, unless your grandfather clocks on military time. But we're supposed to believe that this was all this big secret plan that nobody knew about was suddenly canceled by Trump because of something that the Taliban did. Then, but because 
John Bolton aired his problems with it, then Trump was like, look, you're, you're fired. You're fired. It's probably more likely to believe that Bolton voices displeasure after the fact that the idea of them potentially coming to here, regardless of whether or not it's actually true or not, I think it's more likely than not that Trump made the whole thing up. I said this on my Facebook page, posed this idea. Nobody seemed to have a problem with it. I'd like to you know, just posit the suggestion that maybe Trump made it up. The whole thing was like, look, I'm going to try and look like I was trying to be some big hero on 9-11. So I'm going to say that I was going to invite them here and then not, and then, and then take it back using this incident as an example as to why they wouldn't allow it. And that way people would think, oh, well, he was trying to be a peacemaker, but he, he, he stood strong and tough against the Taliban. Ridiculous. I, I don't believe it. For, there's no reason for me to believe that he actually had this. I've, there's no reason to believe Donald Trump on anything, let alone this. But I think it's it's more likely than not. I'm not going to say it's a it's 75 percent, 80 percent, 90 percent chance of being true. Only thing I have is the fact that I've seen no evidence showing to the contrary that Donald Trump was planning this secret covert meeting with the Taliban. So I've seen no evidence of that other than him tweeting about it, and I don't believe anything else he tweets. So why should I believe this? Probably just a publicity stunt that he's trying to use 9-11 for his own advantage. Just remember, Donald Trump was the guy that bragged that he would now have the tallest building in lower Manhattan because of what happened on 9-11. I think Snoop Dogg said it best during the roast of Donald Trump that Donald Trump has ruined so much of the New York skyline that they would call him the 20th hijacker. I think Snoop Dogg was absolutely correct. And for his for Donald Trump's insensitivity after 9-11, for making that comment, he deserves all the grief in the world. And let's go ahead and take the next commercial break. <clears throat> we'll be coming back, taking your calls, 914-803-4131. It's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. 
for listening after the live broadcast. You can always leave your comments on the show thread at liberaldan.com, over on Facebook, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Now, the other day I called out, I made a call to uh, tagging all of the guests I've had on so far for my Blue Wave segments, uh, asking for other candidates, uh, progressives, uh, like-minded people who wanted to come on the show and uh, who are running for Congress. I've Again, as I said before, I've run for Congress before. Uh, I found it hard to get much help at all because uh, I wasn't an entrenched politician, and I wanted to, uh, but I do want to do my part. It's very hard. I was running in a very conservative district, so that even made it worse on me. Uh, but one of the things I do feel like I can use my show for is to try and help uh, give other candidates a platform so they can share their views. Uh, they could, you know, perhaps show, hey, this is I was interviewed here, and we had a good conversation, and we discussed the. Uh, topics at hand and uh, discuss why you should be supporting uh, these candidates. And so without further ado, I would like to welcome on Isaiah James, candidate for the 9th Congressional District of New York. Welcome on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. Now, everybody, uh, go to uh, Isaiah for Congress, I-S-I-A-H, number four, Congress. Uh, you can uh, follow his campaign and also IsaiahForCongress.com. That is F-O-R, Congress.com is the website. And you are a uh, combat veteran, an activist. Uh, you have pledged uh, no corporate money. Uh, and you're from Brooklyn. Absolutely. Uh, yes, I am 32 years old. I am a combat vet. I've been deployed three times, twice to Iraq, once to Afghanistan, been blown up, shot at the whole nine yards. As we say in the business, been there, got the T-shirt to prove it. Um, once I got out, I uh, became an organizer and an activist, and it was through my organizing and activist work that I saw the needs of my community weren't being met, and frankly, the voices of my community weren't being listened to. So, you know, the first thing they teach you coming up as a young soldier is to take charge in the absence of leadership. So. If there's no leadership and nobody's stepping up to the plate, then it's incumbent upon you to get up and stand up and lead. Absolutely. And I do want to thank you for your service. I think, you know, it is a noble uh, profession to uh, risk your life for the life of others. And you've definitely uh, um, had to deal with, uh, I mean, I was reading your story, you, you dealt with a lot and you've come back and you had to deal with a lot when you came back too. And, and um, it's probably one of the reasons why you, uh, you, you, you've lived, you lived that life and now you want to help others do the same. And I, and I, and I thank you for that. I mean, I want, I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, there are definitely red, red districts to win, but I also think that there are blue districts and this is the opportunity to push uh, those blue districts to more of a progressive stance. And one of the first things on your website that you uh, state uh, is that you want to, you know, advocate for affordable housing. Um, and could you explain, for example, like you said, you want to repeal the Erstad law. Um, what does that do? It's okay. So the thing about New York city is we have, and it's not just New York city, it's all over the country. Housing costs are usually factored using something called AMI, which is area median income. So in neighborhoods like mine that aren't as affluent, They'll take the average median income for all our residents, but they'll also add in upstate New York and Staten Island and other places, and that drives up the in Manhattan, and that drives up the cost of housing. So affordable housing in my neighborhood is two is twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars a month for a one bedroom or a two bedroom. So <sighs> that's one thing that that's one trick they use to say it's quote unquote affordable, but it's not. So housing is like the main part of my policy platform. There's another thing on the federal books called the Faircloth Amendment, which was passed in the 90s that says that HUD cannot use operating funds to build any new public housing in this country. And when I first learned about it years ago, I was like, wait, this can't be true. But it is. HUD can't use funds to build new public housing. That is the most backwards thing I have ever heard. That amendment should be repealed today. It is not only that, we're spending so much on our war machine 
to the tune of $700 billion plus a year. And every year, these same Democrats who, because we know Republicans are going to vote for it, but the same Democrats who claim to be progressive, who claim to care about the issues, they go right along, hat in hand, and they vote for these bills. If Republicans would shut down the country because they didn't like the black guy who was in office, Democrats need to take a stand and say, you know what? We're not going to keep funding these things. Our education budget is one-tenth of our defense budget. We're spending more on bombs and bullets than we are on books and backpacks. Why is this happening in our country? I'll tell you why. It's because nobody has stood up to lead. Nobody has taken charge in the absence of leadership. We all know 1,600 Pennsylvanians, there's a leadership vacuum. Nancy Pelosi is the third highest-ranking person in line to the presidency. The fact that she hasn't brought a Medicare for All bill to the floor for a straight up-or-down vote should tell you where she's at. The fact that she hasn't brought a student loan or student debt forgiveness bill to the floor for a straight up-or-down vote should tell you where her priorities lie. The fact that they're allowing Donald Trump to run roughshod over the country and to take a battle axe to the Constitution and they're playing tiddlywinks about impeaching this man should tell you where all these career politicians are at. Absolutely. And yeah, I've grown more and more fed up. You know, I think I was, I was probably early to the game uh, when at my dislike of, of Nancy Pelosi, you know, in that I understand that, you know, she's a good politician, but that doesn't necessarily make her somebody that we want. Cause I think we've probably had enough good politicians. We need good people who are serving the people and not their own interests. Well, and that's the thing. Politicians play politics. They go in those back rooms and behind those closed doors. They scratch the backs. They make the deals. That's politics. And she's a great politician. But politicians have gotten us to where we are right now, and it's not working. Thousands of people are dying every year because they can't afford med- medication. Hundreds of thousands of people are languishing in jail for no reason. Student loan debt is going through the roof. Housing has become unaffordable. We are still fighting a war that we've been fighting since 2001. Income inequality is rampant. Mass shootings are on the rise. So politicians have gotten us where we are now, and it's not good. So I don't want to play politics. I never wanted to be a politician. I want to be a a public official. I want to be somebody who serves the public. That's what I've done my entire life, and that's what I plan to continue to do when I get elected to Congress. That's excellent. Now, of course, you know, with student loans, I'm never paying. I, I have student loans. I don't think I'll ever pay them back. They're either going to get – I'm either going to I'm either going to pay minimum payments for 25 years and then have it be written off that way as long as – assuming DeVos doesn't get rid of that program. So I don't know how she could because it's written in the note. Um, or some progressives are going to come through and they're going to cancel student loan debt, um, and that's probably the quicker way it will happen. But – you know, with politics, I do like my favorite definition of politics uh, is that it's poly for many and then ticks for blood-sucking creatures. Uh, <laughs> so, when it um, comes to now, student loans, yeah. there's, there's, it's a $1.6 trillion industry. There's something right now called SLABS, Student Loan Asset-Backed Securities. The same way companies buy up debt of other companies, or buy up debt from like credit card debt, and then they charge you pennies on a dollar for that. That's the reason why these corporate politicians haven't gotten rid of student loans yet. Our student loan debt is traded as a commodity. It's a $1.6 trillion industry, and they know it. They, they're never going to get rid of it. It's going to take right. a critical mass of true progressives elected to the House and to the Senate and to the White House until we, to move the ball forward. And one thing, I had another guest on my show, uh, no, Rebecca Parson out in uh, Washington, 6th Congressional District. One of the things that she's pushing for, which I think might go along very well with, with, with your platform, is just a national uh, universal rent control. Just nationwide. Just enact something that Absolutely. you can't get away from by moving by one, you know, by moving, you know, you're, okay, I'm going to create a house here that's right outside this little district. No, make it universal Rent control, and I'm bringing that up with every candidate because I think it's great. <laughs> I think that I think more people I, should I, be spreading the word for that. Great, a great idea. What we need to do is we need to decommodify housing, because in a capitalist society, 
if you have a commodity, the supply and demand. The more supply it is, the less it's worth, the less, the less you can charge for it. So the fact that we're making housing so unaffordable, it keeps the prices high, and it keeps realtors and big real estate corporations rolling in the dough because we're looking at housing as a commodity. We're looking at health care as a commodity. We're looking at education as a commodity, and these are the wrong types of things. We should not be doing that. Some, housing is a human right. It's literally one of the things you need to sustain yourself, to live. If you do right. not have that, you cannot live. And the fact that we take these human rights, which are should be afforded to all human beings, and turn them into a commodity is the wrong answer. Yes, I am fully in support of national universal rent control. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, moving on to some of the other issues that you support, uh, we have uh, common sense gun control. As, as a veteran uh, of, of wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, somebody who's seen the violence that can happen uh, with uh, guns, with rifles. Um, you know, it, it's very short and sweet on your website. Ban assault weapons with no provisions for a sunset clause. Background checks eliminating the internet, the uh, gun show and internet loopholes. Uh, prosecute straw purchases. Uh, require concealed carry to have liability insurance and ban high capacity magazines. I mean, that's, I mean, short, sweet, and to the point. Um, uh, you know, I always Absolutely. said that. The NRA is not for gun rights for gun owners. NRA stands for gun sellers. And they're, the only reason they fight against common sense, common sense gun regulation is because they fear that it's going to hurt the sellers. And the only time that I can think that the NRA ever supported any sort of gun control was in California. Ronald Reagan was governor, and they were trying to keep guns out of the hands out of Black Panthers. So absolutely. So not, so not only is, is are they pro, or not only does the NRA have a history of being just pro gun seller, not pro gun rights, but they're racist. On top of that, absolutely. Listen, if you make bullets as expensive as insulin, then they'll never be able to sell them. But think about how messed up that is. I mean, I I've used these weapons in combat. I've carried an M4 for eight years, two months, and twenty nine days. On three separate fields of battle I have mm-hmm. seen what they can do I know the stopping power of them And I know without equivocation They do not belong in the hands Of civilians ever Period full stop These things are designed to kill as many people With as much efficiency as possible The fact that some Some guy in Vegas Can shoot 200 people In the span of five minutes Before police can even react The fact that somebody can walk into a classroom and mow down 21st graders or, you know, 20 people can be shot at a garlic fest or, or a number of, of the mass shootings. These things, I mean, look at it. Japan has, Republicans want to blame it on violent video games. Japan has the highest video game sales of any country. Right. They had four mass shoot, four shootings last year, four, in a nation of millions. We have 30,000 plus. And that's, what, that's only what we can glean because Congress won't authorize a CDC study and treat gun violence like the epidemic that it is. So we know just from a minimum we have 30,000. There's probably more. We're talking about domestic violence. We're talking about mass shootings, school shootings, all these things. I'm, I'm looking at gun violence even in the case of police shootings for, for African Americans and people of color. That is gun violence. That stuff right. needs to be studied, and we need to stop it. And one way we can stop it is by banning assault weapons. Listen, absolutely. And, I, I and a you lot know, of friends over this. I'm talking about guys I served with who watched my back in combat. I've lost so many friends over my stance on guns, but it's the right thing to do. When the assault weapons ban in the '90s was in place, America didn't slip into the ocean. Fire and brimstone <laughs> didn't fall and, and hit us. The country went on just fine. People lived their lives, they went to work, they raised their families, they got old, they died. Nothing happened. So the fact that Republicans and the NRA are trying to say, like, this is somehow going to kill the nation if we ban assault rifles, it's just, it's not, it's nonsensical. It's a non-starter. It's not even a real argument. It's only an argument to allow the profits to keep flowing to the NRA. Right. And other, other, other things you talk about on your website or- um, criminal justice reform, uh, 
you're not the first person uh, to bring up uh, ending the cash bail system. I think uh, uh, Shan Chowdhury, who introduced us, uh, I think he also yes. supports that as well. Um, ending for-profit prisons and jails. That's obviously something that, I mean, the idea that people should be profiting off of, you know, there should be no incentive to put people in jail other than, you know, how it makes the country better if it does. And we should be focusing on things like, um, you know, rehabilitation and, and non and, and working on reducing recidivism and not trying to make sure that we have as many people. I mean, I think it was Pennsylvania that had a judge who was taking campaign contributions from for-profit prisons uh, so he could get kids, just, he would just send kids to the jail, you know, oh, there you go, three days, there you go, more money for y'all. So just, but one of the things you talk about with the gun control in saying that, um, you know, the, the shootings by police of innocent people, of unarmed people specifically, you know, especially, you know, I saw one study that said it was, uh, you're four times more likely if you're unarmed to be shot by the police if you're black than if you're white. And a lot of this is just because of the fact that, you know, many people who are police, I mean, if you see the Philando Castile shooting, you've seen the, just the look of fear in the cop's eyes simply because it's a black guy. It's, you know, the, blackness shouldn't be seen as a weapon. And the fact that, um, you know, one of the things you have here in the criminal justice reform page is enacting legislation that establishes a national federally funded program to train police officers in de-escalation tactics, techniques, and procedures. And I think if we had a better trained police force, a lot of these issues wouldn't happen because they would know. I mean, I've been through like a citizen's police academy before, not like in the movie, like, you know, where they're just all crazy people. But it, it was, you know, we were, I was in a simulator and, and they, they, the simulator judges how quickly you act and if you acted too soon or not soon enough. And, you know, the use of deadly force shouldn't have been allowed with Philando Castile. Shouldn't have been okay in Philando Castile, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, anybody else who you've seen. I mean, I, I can't, I don't have time to name all the names of all the people that have died at the hands of police. So we definitely need that. And, and we need to see more legislative, potential legislature, legislators like yourself. Uh, pushing for these issues and making sure that they're exactly. on the table. Because if I mean, we if can't... I had done one, imagine me in war, in war. If I shot an innocent Iraqi civilian, I would have been in jail. I would not have gotten a, a review board and got a slap on the wrist. If I had shot, like they shot Walter Scott running away in the back. If I if I shot an insurgent running away in the back, I would have been in jail. We have right. people on the streets of Iraq who had AK-47s. We could see them, and we still could not engage them. They had to physically point it at us for us to engage them. The fact that, like you said, blackness is viewed as a weapon, and they shoot people just because of the color of their skin, and it seems like there's, there's one half of the country that knows this is wrong and that something must be done about it, and it seems like there's a whole other swath of the country it just always comes up with the well. If you comply, you'll live. I was just about I mean, to say, well, if you comply, uh, Tamir. My response to them with that is Tamir, not, Tamir Rice, John Crawford were never given the opportunity to comply. They were just shot. Exactly. Dead. Exactly. So compliance, and also non-compliance is not justification for the use of deadly force. I mean, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, not, not, maybe take. I mean. If, if you think that maybe I don't, I don't even know what at what level I can't tell you off the top of my head what level a use of a taser is okay, but holy crap, if somebody needs to be restrained and, and they're resisting you, tase them before you shoot kill them. Just especially an unarmed person. Right. Well, they'll be like, well, you don't know if they're armed. Well, you know, you seem to have no problem arresting plenty of white people who you don't know if they're armed or if they are armed. There are plenty. The amount of white people that get arrested. Holding guns is just makes me mad. I just, just, you know, the, the ones that shoot at the movie theater. Uh, Dylan yeah. Roof got they somehow fast they food. Somehow come out all they come, they come out alive unscathed. Right. I'm like, how is this even possible? Because just police and other people view blackness as a weapon, and it just does. You know, that that needs to stop. So let's see what else we got. Lots of stuff. 
this is the second website in a row actually that that's really really well done i really like how it looks i like the look and feel of it so i do as as a guy who in my full-time job i'm an it guy i'm a software developer so um i'm looking at your website and i'm digging it so i I like how it's laid out so that's good thank you (laughs) you're very welcome um got tax reforms um increasing earned income tax credit you know generally typically you know understandably liberal stuff uh that that you would see uh from a progressive um wall street reform which is something that clearly needs to be done um speculation trading tax of five percent stocks to a point five percent stocks point two percent bonds um which would uh, cut back computer-generated high-speed trading that destabilizes the market. Um, what are some of the other, I guess, since we have about, I mean, we have as much time as we want. We have 40 minutes technically, but I usually end about nine, ten-year time. So what are the what are the other issues that, that are like a main, you know, cornerstone of your platform that you want to make sure that people listening to this podcast will uh, will know that, you know, that you're fighting for and that you will fight for once elected to Congress? Well, there's a lot. There's so many. Um, one other thing, a few other things, uh, Medicare for all, but not just Medicare for all, because a lot of politicians and people running for office, they offer access to Medicare for all or pathway to or move towards. And that's all just coded language speak by the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance lobby. We need single payer health care in this country, the elimination of private insurance. Nobody likes the insurance company. People like their doctors and the health care they receive. Nobody's clamoring for their insurance company. When, when Republicans say that, oh, we don't want socialized medicine, ask anybody 65 or older. They are waiting to turn 65 just so they can get on Medicare. Ask them, right. any one of them, will you, will you give up your Medicare and go back to paying private insurance? Not one of them will do it because there's nothing wrong with government-provided health care. It's just Republicans have become a megaphone and a mouthpiece, and so have corporate Democrats for these big insurance lobbies and pharmaceutical lobbies. So we need single-payer health care in this country. Another thing which we're actually writing the policy platform on right now is policy on Puerto Rico. So there's, mm-hmm. uh, everybody knows Puerto Rico has ballooning debt, and, but it's, it's, it's more complicated than a lot of people know. If, people, if your guests are familiar with the Jones Act, which has states that Puerto Rico can't ship goods unless they're made on an American vessel, unless it's shipped on an American vessel, which adds a huge cost and tax burden to getting goods and services off the island and on the island. There's the PROMESA Act, which has, which does serves nothing but to, to take Puerto Rico's autonomy away and to regulate their economy on the island. I believe that Puerto Rico should either be the 51st state or they should have self-determination and be their own country. I mean, because we can't, right now they're living in this colonialistic limbo of are they a state, are they not a state? They, they, they can vote, but they have to come here and have an address to vote. I mean, it's just, we're not England, and this isn't the East India Trading Company. We right. don't have colonies anymore. We need to, and it's not just Puerto Rico, it's the U.S. Virgin Islands. It's American Samoa. It's all these other other nations, they need to either be brought into the fold of nation of state and become full-fledged citizens with all the rights and privileges citizens enjoy, or they need to have self-determination and be allowed to do what they, their people allow, would want them to be done. It's, I don't understand why 99% of Congress isn't even talking about this. There are 3 million Americans on that island, and it's still, it's still devastated from the hurricane. Right. I guarantee I have a friend. you. If those were 3 million voters who could vote from that island, I guarantee you the response would have been different. Because at the same time, a hurricane hit Texas, and you saw all the resources that poured into Texas, millions right. and billions of dollars, everything, because those are voters down there. And they remember, Puerto Ricans have to leave the island, come here, have a residency to vote. If those were 3 million damn voters down there, the federal government would have acted a whole lot different. Right. Unfortunately, you do wind up have some. Yeah, I think you have some people who are politicians down there, who whenever it comes up to say, "Hey, we want to be a state," and you, that there are people. I have somebody who who's from Puerto Rico, who's who's, who's somewhat politically active, uh, has connections to some politicians down there, 
And she has said that there are some politicians that just fight statehood because it's their own little fiefdom at that point. So, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason why it should still be a territory. It should be a state. Um, and, and how would if the people of the island don't want statehood? God bless them. Get, let them have their freedom. Right. True. That's exactly true as well. Um, so under workers' rights, um, you say establish a federal guaranteed jobs program. How would that work? Well, and this is tied into the Green New Deal. Okay. Right now, so say the, the Army Corps of Engineers says that we need $2 trillion over the next 10 years for investment in infrastructure. Our roads are crumbling, bridges, airports, everything. There is enough work in this nation, just rebuilding the nation, that we can put millions of people back to work. Also, within the Green New Deal, that is millions and millions of green jobs and a green economy that we can train workers right now in schools, technical schools and colleges with free college to be able to take those jobs when the time comes. My job, my federal jobs guarantee is tied into all these programs. We did the numbers, and we literally can put 10 million people to work over the next five, six years if we start implementing these programs now like the Green New Deal, transition us away from the fossil fuel economy, and rebuilding the infrastructure in America. Also, if, we, if you do, if we were to implement some of the other policies that I'm thinking of when, when it comes to single-payer health care and guaranteed universal pre-K and 3K across the country, those are thousands, those are millions of new jobs all across the country that need workers in, that this federal job guarantee would be the, the steering mechanism to, to, to place people in all these jobs and these new industries that all my new progressive policies would make. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things you said there, which, which is really, I really wish more uh, Democrats, more liberals, more progressives would get behind it and word their arguments that way. Cause a lot of times you talk about like moving away from coal and then the people who work in the coal industry are like, well, they're coming from a job. So I'm like, well, don't just say that. Say that you're going to invest in educating them, in training them on new work, on, on how to do these new jobs, how to work these new jobs, and let them have the opportunity at those jobs. And, Absolutely. You know, and, and, and you said that, and, and more people need to say that because then people might be like, you know what, maybe that is a good opportunity. Maybe, maybe I should jump on that and be able to you know, have that be my future instead of holding on to the past. Um, so, again, there's, there's coming up close to the end of the show. So is there anything else you would, uh, you'd like to tell listeners, uh, people listening to the podcast? Um, I would like to say, first of all, again, thank you for having me on, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you and to engage in dialogue about the issues and to speak to your guests. I would just ask everybody if you're listening, if you're interested in, in my story and my platform and, and what I'm fighting for, to go to my website, IsaiahForCongress.com. Um, you can follow me on social media. If you type in whether it's the 4, F-O-R, or the number 4, Isaiah for Congress, if you type it in on Google, you'll be able to find me. Follow me on social media. And if you can, make a small $5 donation. For the, cup, for the price of a cup of coffee, $5 buys me 100 palm cards. That's 100 people I can give my, my, my message to when I'm out on the street canvassing. So even for a $5 donation, you can help us in this fight because we're not taking any lobbyist money, corporate money, corporation money, PAC money, none of that stuff. So that's about it, man. All right, well, again, and thank you very much for coming on the show, and thank you for your services well to this country. Um, again, if you have any announcements that you want to make, if you just want to come on and talk about other things pertaining to your campaign, just let me know. You have an open invitation to come back on anytime. All right. Thank you so much, man. You're very welcome. Good luck to you and have a good rest of your week. All right. All right. Again, this is uh, Isaiah James. Again, you can go to Isaiah for Congress uh, at Twitter, the number four, or Isaiah for Congress, F-O-R, dot com. Uh, support his campaign. Make, make contributions. Help make this uh, Congress more progressive 
and we definitely need to ride this blue wave and, and go as progressive as we can. So again, this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left That's Right. Next week, we should be having on Justin Bonner uh, from Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District, who is a candidate over there. Uh, get the topics of the day. So again, if you want to follow me, it's uh, liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Until next week at 8 p.m. Central, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk for the left, that's right.